Friends, welcome to the Ransom Tart Podcast. John Eldridge here. The last days of July and the first week of August. This is part three in a four-part series that we are re-airing. If you're just joining us, this is a conversation that Craig McConnell and I had back in the winter of 2014 on interpretation. How do you how do you interpret your story? How do you interpret events this week's on interpreting the story of your calling and why it's often so hard to realize and find and fulfill your calling? Alan's been doing the intros for these, but I thought I would step in this week because tomorrow, August 1st, is the anniversary of Craig's homegoing. A year ago this week, Craig stepped into the um, full kingdom of God in a very beautiful moment, a very peaceful moment. Uh, Many of you know that he had had a long bout with cancer, and instead of the end being something very dark and hard, it was very beautiful, very holy. And it's so fraught with emotion for us, and I know for many of you, we could have just kind of tiptoed around this, or certainly not aired a series, good grief, with his voice in it. But we thought, oh no, no, like, we want to enjoy hearing his voice again. We want to enjoy hearing his insights, which many people are telling us are actually more helpful today than they were three years ago. And because Craig isn't dead, like, that's the truth of the story. He's not dead. He's, he's more alive than he's ever been. He's absolutely, totally, 100% alive. He is living. He's just in the kingdom now, and we're on this side of things. But we wanted to air this uh, with joy and with um, just a kind of a sense of sacred remembrance. So, hope you enjoy this part three in the series on interpretation. I think another category that's really helpful for people to understand is that as you move through your adult life, desires change. They mature. You go through a certain season, and then you go, you know what? That was good. I don't want to do that anymore. And that's fine. That's not, oh, dang, I mischose my career. Oh, dang, I, you know, desires change. And I think if you had told me at 22, you will not be in theater when you are 52, I think I would have been devastated. I think I would have been crestfallen because I had taken all of that mythic desire inside me yes. and attached it to the specific outcome of it has to be this, you know? And now I look back and I go, I don't desire that anymore. Like, it's not like I'm pining away for a life I don't have. My desires have changed. And that's a wonderful thing. There's freedom in that. That's good. (laughs) What are you smiling about? (laughs) Well, uh, one thing I'm thinking about, we probably should have included, I was just thinking of Alan as an illustration of, uh, gets yanked out of the publishing world, and now is having a ministry with writers that he never had as a publisher, you know? So does walking in the calling God has for you or the vocation God has for you, does that always mean that whatever you're doing, you're just going to be effervescent with joy, fulfillment, excitement, vision, hope, and be effective and successful? I mean, is walking with God 
in his timing, in his place, in his way, does that going to bring us our deepest aspirations for vocation, profession, career, job? The answer is messy because in some ways, in some occasions, in some seasons, yes, mm-hmm. you bet. You will feel Gerard Manley Hopkins, who was the Jesuit priest, but who actually was a great poet, said, what I do is me. For this, I came. I mean, Hopkins could literally say, I'm in it. Like, this is my greatest joy to be a poet. What I do is me. For this, Mm -hmm. I came. I think there are times like that. Then I'm recalling a conversation that I had as a young man with Jack Hayford years ago, and I was asking him vocational questions and calling, you know, type questions. And he looked at me with a kind of sobriety, and he said, God has asked me over the course of my life to do things I did not want to do but that needed to be done on behalf of the kingdom, and I did them. They were not necessarily a source of joy. In some cases, they were acts of pure sacrifice. Mm. So I think we need to be careful with the, I'm walking with God, therefore the fruit will be just joy and fulfillment. And, you know, there's an enormous sacrifice Mm -hmm. that goes with the kingdom of God. And I think that This can be true for years, by the way, friends. I don't think God puts anyone into a prison cell, metaphorically speaking, you know, and just says, be content with this for the rest of your life. That's not our God. It's not the way he works. You don't see that in the Bible. But are there seasons or are there certain tasks, right? Mm -hmm. I want to come back to Craig. I'm just thinking of, you know, when you finally hit quote, success status as a pastor. You made it. You got into mega church land, and you were a leading member Mm -hmm. of the, you know, pastoral team of a mega church. And was that all happiness, joy, fulfillment, life? (laughs) No. I was thinking this early in our conversation, how there's chaos, disappointment, not being where God has you. And then when you are where God has you, it's messy and there's chaos. (laughs) And it's frustrating, too, because, you know, there's just forces and obstacles and realities you have to fight and deal with. I mean, there's a lot to shovel in any career, profession, or direction you want to go to get to where you want to go. And you made a decision that I'm not sure you even remember or recognize, but it's going to be important for our listeners you found yourself at the top of the ladder and realized it wasn't the ladder you wanted to have climbed. Right. But nonetheless, you're like, look, I'm here. I'm in a mega church. I now regret some of the fuel and passion that got me here. Mm-hmm. Realize it wasn't necessarily holiness, mm-hmm. you know, it was other things. But now that I'm here, I'm going for it. And you made a shift that made your life very uncomfortable in that church where you said, I'm going to start living the way I want to live. I'm going to start doing the things I want to do anyway. Right. Right. Describe that. Well, it was simply, I'm living from my heart, being free, bringing who I am and what I have, and not letting the job description define and direct me, but just living within that job description, generally, offering who I am and what I have. And it it opened up 
profound doors for influence, impact. It put me in some very difficult conflicts and, and situations, too. Yeah. And you eventually had to leave yes. because of that. Oh, yeah. But what was beautiful was you didn't wait for your circumstances to change to start living out what you believed was true of you. Yeah. In fact, I I very much wanted to change circumstances. And it, I just felt like God said, no, you are needed here. And over two years, I was in a situation that I hated and was— Incredibly difficult, but had a very clear confidence that that's where God had me. Yeah, that's just so important for people to hear. You know, how many great books have been written late at night when people got home from their regular jobs, right? How many, you know, great musicians were honed in the basement weekends in their off hours? How many people started that flower shop? How many people chased that dream in their off hours. Their immediate circumstances didn't change, but they simply decided to start living out what they believed God had made and designed them to be. Yes. And then doors began to open, right? And then it found greater and greater expression in their lives. So you don't wait for circumstances to change. I think that's a really crucial thing. Yeah. Here's another big one. And if this is not part of your interpretive grid, (laughs) you are not going to understand your life. Your calling is deeply and profoundly opposed. The number of people that have come to me in distress, feeling abandoned by God, overlooked, doesn't care about my dreams and desires, feeling thwarted, I tried it didn't work out, feeling betrayed, and not one of them took the opposition to their calling seriously. And I just want to go, like, are you mad? Mm. Are you mad? You want to chase your dreams and desires, and then even more so, you want to advance the kingdom of God? You want to go after other people? You want to, you know, bring English to teach literacy, you mm-hmm. you want to rescue the hearts of students in the inner city, you want to bring the gospel to Muslims, all hell is set against you. Yes. So, wait, 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 wait. Before you interpret how difficult it is, that it's not going well, that it's not meeting with the reception that you hope, that, quote, God isn't with you or helping, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes. How much of your interpretation of your world right now is that all of hell is set against you realizing your calling. How many years was that a part of your fabric as you were interpreting disappointment, setback? Most of my life, spiritual warfare wasn't a category. Seriously, it was an acknowledged doctrinal belief, but in practical life, yeah, John. Yeah. And what did that do for your interpretation during those years? Well, to God is the problem, or people are the problem, or I'm the problem, when the real issue is satanic, dark, foul forces that are out to thwart, discourage, diminish, and steal everything they can from me. 
I just cannot emphasize, friends, how important this is that, you know, counseling a young disillusioned pastor last year and his story is disappointing. I am not minimizing that for a moment. There's heartbreak and setback and years of just what feels like lost ministry opportunities. Warfare wasn't even a category for him. Wasn't even interpreting, wait, wait, wait. If your calling is significant, it is going to be significantly opposed. So take it as a compliment, friends. If you've been experiencing significant opposition, you must be trouble. You must be dangerous. Mm-hmm. I want you to listen to something that Paul says in First Thessalonians that I think is going to be very helpful for interpretation and probably pretty new for most of our listeners. Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18, he says, we wanted to come to you. Certainly, I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. Hmm. Okay, pause. Satan stopped us. Not, but that wasn't the Father's will, or, but God had other plans, and in his omniscience, he knew uh-huh. that it was, you know, right that we not be able to make it to you. Paul's not candy-coating this stuff, right? His worldview allows for, no, the enemy blocked that one. We wanted to come to you again and mm. again. This is Paul. This is the leading missionary of the advance of the church. This is the man in whom all of heaven has invested its resources for his success. And he's saying, yeah, no, that one didn't work out. Hmm. We were blocked. Satan stopped us on that one. This isn't discouragement, gang. This is absolutely helpful for you to recognize it's not you, it's not God, it's not your spouse, it's not your church, it's not those people. It's, you It's you live in a world at war. And if you want to move towards calling and your place in the kingdom, of course it's going to be opposed. Treat it like that. Mm-hmm. Treat it like that. And therefore, for example, consecrate your calling, your gifts, your dreams to God every day. Get that stuff under his protection, his rule, his guidance, his leaning. Don't just chase desire. Are you mad? <laughs> Don't just chase a dream. Ask Christ where, when, how, with who. Show me the timing. Show me the steps to take, right? And then you battle for it spiritually. You fight for that trip. You fight for that job interview. You fight for that change in career. You know, you pray through it, battle through it. The naivete with which Christians pursue this is absolutely staggering. It's like they want to be Navy SEALs. So they buy the uniform and take the name Navy SEAL and somebody drops them into Afghanistan. Uh That's it. That's all I've got. They've got the name and the uniform. It's that naive. Yeah. So consecrate yourself. What else, John? Consecrate your gifting, your dreams, your desires daily to Jesus. Ask his instructions. Ask his timing. And then as you begin to move in what you believe to be his timing, his direction, you pray for it, right? If you're hitting opposition, disappointment, disheartening, I want to give up, right? I bring the cross of my Lord Jesus Christ against this opposition. Mm -hmm. I 
break the powers of the enemy working against me through the risen Christ and through the power of his authority. That kind of prayer, right? I bring the full work of my Lord Jesus Christ against this discouragement, against this thwarting, binding. I break this by the power of Jesus Christ and in his name. You'll have to pray like that a lot Mm -hmm. if you want to realize your hopes, dreams, calling. Right? Yeah. John, about the phrase, seize the day, where does that fit into this? That just feels like it's a part of it. There's some orientation that says, having consecrated, you know, having given this to God and being aware of time and what he has to say, it's just, I'm going to seize this day for the kingdom, under the kingdom, no matter what it is, doing the toilets, digging a hole, whatever it is, and that there's some choice and initiative that says, I'm bringing the kingdom into this, and I am taking, I am subduing, I'm going to have dominion over this day, these circumstances, my life. Right on, brother. (laughs) Something's stirring in you. Where's that coming from? What are you addressing there? Well, one of the questions I'm asking myself as I'm listening, how many people just have absolutely no options. I mean, their day-to-day is just survival. Mm -hmm. You're not talking job choices, you know, the prostitutes, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. those in the sex trade, Mm -hmm. those who, Mm -hmm. and I'm just thinking, regardless of our state or circumstances, you know, and there's opposition and we're trapped because of the economy or the tyrant that we live under, there's always something we can seize and possess and subdue and have dominion over. And it may not be circumstances, it may not be my vocation, but there's something that I can seize and possess and be absolutely kind of in control of. I think in relationships, in spite of how people are treating you, you can still love, right? I think Mm -hmm. in dead-end jobs, despite this fact that your circumstances are not changing, you can clean that table as though you're doing it for God and Mm -hmm. for his kingdom, right? And Mm -hmm. I think you can, Craig. I think what you're saying is, despite no changes in circumstances, you can still choose to live for God. You can still choose to seize the day, so to speak. And I'm going to do this anyway. I'm going to do it great. And I'm going to do it with all my heart. Right? I mean, that's Paul when he's writing to yeah. slaves. Yeah. Right? And he's saying, you're not serving an earthly master. Do it as if you're serving God. You know, and Christianity, for example, has all the power in it that eventually overthrew slavery. Right. But in that immediate moment, he was giving them what they could do. Right. And what they could do was, with all your heart, do it for God. And the beautiful thing about approaching life in that way is that probably will change your circumstances. The beauty of that posture is, I bet that relationship will change. You start loving anyway, mm-hmm. right? I bet your circumstances will change to some degree in some way. If only your internal joy, you know, right. when, when you treat life like that. Yeah. I think something you said there is, what I'm trying to say is no matter the circumstances, the future, no matter what the chaos Seizing the day means I can bring the kingdom of God over my internal world and experience meaning, peace, some level of joy yeah. and hope 
regardless of external circumstances. Yep. Yep. And in my free time, I can chase my dreams, Mm -hmm. right? You don't have to wait for circumstances to change. Friends, I hope that this has been helpful to you as you interpret the longings and the dreams and the desires of your heart and you interpret the confusion and the chaos and the disappointment Mm -hmm. in your circumstances. I want to come back to what it looks like to actually contend for your calling. You know, we've talked about opposition, just so real. So I want to illustrate for you how you actually contend for your calling. And the first thing, as I was discussing earlier, is you consecrate it and you consecrate it daily. And by consecration, I mean it's an act of presenting it again to Jesus Christ and bringing it under his rule and his authority. So, you know, it sounds something like, I consecrate my calling to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I consecrate my gifting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And then if there's an immediate context for it, I consecrate the creation of this flower shop. I consecrate the building of this church. I consecrate my move from aerospace into inner city youth. I consecrate this step to the Lord Jesus Christ. I bring this under his rule and under his dominion. And then you want to continue. I consecrate all of my thoughts about this to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I consecrate all of my desires and my interpretation to the Lordship of Jesus Christ around this. So you're consecrating both the circumstance, but you're also consecrating your internal world about it so that other things can't be influencing you, etc. I consecrate my gifting. I consecrate my interpretation. I consecrate my thoughts, dreams, hopes, desires around my calling and around whatever the next step is to Jesus Christ and to him alone. This belongs to Jesus Christ. I belong to Jesus Christ. And then you need to contend for it. Once you consecrate it, then you need to contend for it. I bring the kingdom of God and I bring the triumph of the Lord Jesus Christ, the fullness of his work, the power of his cross and his blood, the power of the empty tomb and his resurrection, the power of his authority and his rule and his dominion against every opposition to my calling against every enemy, against discouragement and despair, against confusion, against all binding and thwarting and blocking. I break these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you may know something else. Is it fear? I bring the work of Jesus Christ against fear. Is it just a continual sabotage of the effort, the plans? We've seen that hundreds of times. I bring the cross of Jesus Christ against sabotage. You you name these things. You bring the work of Christ directly against them. You are commanded in Scripture to resist the devil. You don't just kind of hope that God will do it for you. This is learning to reign with Christ. And so in the name of Jesus Christ, I bring the fullness of his work against every enemy of my calling and this next step. And I bind the enemy 
And I bind these things, fear, sabotage, confusion, despair. I bind them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I claim the truth of God right here. I have a Father who loves me, that he has provided for me every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. That's Ephesians chapter 1, right? I claim that. I claim the resources of God and the provisions of God into my calling and into these next steps in the authority of Jesus Christ and in his name. And I'll guarantee you, you start praying like that, you consecrate your calling and your gifts and your thoughts and dreams and desires about it, your interpretation, and you contend for it, you are going to see headway. I mean, this is absolutely vital especially when it comes to the realm of wanting to live more fully in your life in the kingdom of God and bring his kingdom on this earth. Oh, it is so powerful to hear his voice again. I love hearing Craig's voice. I hope you have too. Many of you have journeyed with us over the years, and many of you joined us by simulcast last year when we celebrated Craig's memorial service. So I I hope that Both the content is encouraging and life-giving to you, and and also just remembering and celebrating our our good companion, Craig McConnell, who is fighting for us now, simply from the other side of the story. 